Good morning. Our sermon text this morning comes from the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verse 17 through chapter 2, verse 9. If you'd like to turn there with me, you can find it on page 774 in your pew Bible in front of you. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Would you um, open your phones or your Bibles to um, the Psalms as well? Let's look for just a moment, if we could, at our memory verse from last week. I just want to... Revisit that for just a split second. Anybody remember the address of that one? I'm pushing you, I know. Psalm 147. Psalm 147. So if you are just using a pew Bible or something, you opened it right to the middle of the book, you probably would be very near the Psalms. It might be slightly to your left. But um, the Psalms are just about the middle of the hymn book and uh, the Bible, excuse me, and they are Jesus' hymn book. They are Jesus' prayer book. The book that Jonah uses, you might have recognized phrases in the reading from, from Jonah chapter 2, is because he was so versed in the Psalms. The, Jesus himself quotes the Psalms uh, at least 10% of the time when he's speaking. He's speaking directly from the Psalms. So um, turn to Psalm 147. 11, and can we say that together again? This was last week's memory verse, Psalm 147, 11. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him, in those who hope in His steadfast love. And you just say the address with me. Psalm 147, 11. We learned from that last week that that, um, the Lord is helping us understand what is this strange thing called the fear of the Lord. And it's not the fright, it's not the opposite of, of active fright, but the withdrawal or, or despair. It is putting your hope in his steadfast love. Now would you turn just a few pages over to Psalm 130. 
our memory verse for today, Psalm 130. Are you finding your way there? Psalm 130, verses 1 and 2. Let me say it for you first. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. Would you say that with me? Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. And the address? Psalm 130, verses 1 through 2. Oh, may God bless to our understanding His holy word today. Well, wow, we have been, uh, we've been in Jonah for five weeks now. Um, Chad, in his ever so delicate way, uh, congratulated me this morning, uh, saying, congratulations, Pastor Dave, you finally made it out of chapter one. After all this time, we are going to pick up speed substantially, and, and it's a little bit to my regret, because um, every word of the Lord is precious. And, and if it seems to fly by and doesn't seem to land, it, um, it often is because we're reading too fast, and we're not, um, we're not sensitive to what the Lord is doing there. I, think, I sense that actually as you were leading us in worship, Kristen. I just sense this morning, I feel like my, right this moment, my life is going too fast. And I need to just stop and sense what the Lord is doing. So let's do that together, can we? Oh God, thank you that every word of yours is like silver refined seven times. God, you don't mess around. You speak. And when you speak, you speak directly to our hearts. Oh God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations, God, of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight today. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen? Well, last time we saw Jonah uh, in uh, chapter 1, the very end of chapter 1, verse 16, I think, that he was being chucked overboard. And if you haven't been with us, it's just been an amazing story of a man running from God running from the very presence of God, and yet God, even as he was running, still fulfilling his purpose in him. Isn't that crazy? He's running from God because he doesn't want to speak to unbelievers uh, about the glory of God, and so he ends up speaking to unbelievers about the glory of God, and, and the whole ship comes to know him. And, and I'm reading into this a little bit, but it really ticks him off, right? Um, he's running from God, and yet God is still using him. But as the storm intensified, and it was, it was a storm caused by God, we're going to go there today again, and it's going to be hard, but we're going to go there and find God even in the midst of the storm. As, as the storm raged, they asked, what, was it that, what is it that will cause the storm to be stilled? And, and in this moment of inspiration, he was a prophet of God. He he told them, just chuck me overboard and the storm will be calm. Now, the test of a prophet, right, is, is, was, is what happened, what the prophet says to be true, does it happen? Well, that was awkward the way I said that. Um, the test of a prophet is, does it come true, right? And, and we saw last a couple of weeks that they rode fiercely. They did not want his blood on their hands. Finally, they just cried out, God, please forgive us. You are the one who is causing this. And they threw him overboard, and immediately the storm is stilled. 
immediately what Jonah said would happen comes true. Comes true. Well, well, they respond. uh, Now they've been crying out to their gods. Now they respond and worship. And again, over and over again in this book of Jonah, it uses a very, very personal name of of God. Uh, It's translated in your Bible in capital letters, the Lord, but they use the name Yahweh. They cry out to the same God who revealed himself to Moses and, and they offer sacrifices. They worship him. Non-believers come to know God because of this amazing storm that uh, Jonah has caused and that God has hurled. So let's pick up the story today because while their crisis is over, Jonah's is just beginning, right? Jonah's is just beginning. They have thrown him overboard And Jonah is in crisis. And if I could, I just want to press pause for a second and just say, uh, because I think that that many of you are like me, and you think that you're the only one that is experiencing what you're experiencing. Let me just say up front, everybody experiences crises. Amen? Amen? Right? We might not be aware of it early because other people are covering for us, but, but eventually we come to that reality that says, there, I'm in a crisis right now. And, and so right off the bat, let's just own the fact that everybody experiences them. Not everybody understands them. Honestly, not everybody survives them. But everyone experiences them. In fact, in, in seminary, they, they taught us in, in pastoral um, uh, care classes that, that on the average, everyone experiences three significant crises a year. A year. Right, but there are some crises that um, that are are life crises, global crises for us. It might be the loss of someone that you really care about. It might be the loss of a job, or or the loss, uh, a significant loss of your physical health. All of a sudden, there are world rocking crises that we experience as well. Where is God? Where is God in the midst of those things? Like Jonah, many of us cry out to him, oh, God, deliver me from this, right? And and it seems like God will not release us. God will not deliver us. I'm going to suggest to you that maybe help will come to us as we try and understand the nature of crisis, what's happening in our lives. I looked it up on Google, and, and the characteristics of a crisis, according to Google, which never lies, are, are that, that that's unexpected. You didn't see it coming, right? And, and whatever it is in your life, it creates uncertainty in your life. What you thought was true before is you no longer know to be true. And, and, and it creates uncertainty. And, and when that happens in a spiritual realm, that's a, that's a particularly challenging crisis, right? Many times in, in my experience, I'm... I'm, I'm Experiencing something of God, and it's different than I thought God would behave. It's different than I expected of God, and it creates a crisis of faith for me. A crisis of faith. God, I thought you were like this, and now I'm discovering you are like that. It creates uncertainty. But it's also seen as a threat to important things for us, important goals, important, important patterns in our lives. It threatens the way we thought things would end up. 
And, and it results in one of two things. It results in either failure or transformation. Or transformation, right? Sometimes we just don't respond and, and we never revisit it again and it ends up going, well, I don't know what that was, but it was a colossal experience of failure. But God never intends failure for us unless we're wandering from him. What God desires for us is transformation. We've seen on the positive side that that transformation can happen through discipleship, through intentionally choosing to draw near to him. But when we choose to run from him, it sometimes happens through crisis, through crisis. Let me just say that, that up front, that everyone's crisis is different, right? Some crises are, are, are very personal and some are very, very public. Some are physical, some are emotional, and some even are spiritual. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me, right? Jonah experienced all three. Right in front of us. In front of God and everybody, Jonah lives out all three of these crises. It started with a spiritual crisis, right? God spoke to him, and Jonah said, no way. And, and, and Jonah ran. I can't believe that you would ask that of me, God. And, and as we'll see in the coming couple of weeks, I can't believe that you're like that, God, that you would forgive people who murder babies. I, I can't believe, God, that you would forgive people who, who decapitate people and make their family members carry their heads around on a stick. I can't believe that you would do that, God. It created a, a spiritual crisis for him, right? But that spiritual crisis then led to a relational crisis. He ran from God and, and ran from everybody around him as well. And the people around him, the sailors on the ship, couldn't understand what is it with you that we are in desperate need of your help right now and all you're doing is crawling and into the depths of the ship and, and falling asleep. It created a, a relational crisis for Jonah as well. And that led to a physical crisis for him. That's where we're going to pick up the story. They chucked him over. Now his very life is in danger. Everybody's crisis is different. And everybody handles their crisis differently, right? And, and let me just say, I'll speak for myself, not everybody handles crises well, right? Well, while the sailors were in crisis, Jonah was asleep. We saw that last week. While Jonah was in crisis, now in the water, the sailors are rejoicing and even worshiping God, right? Some, as we saw, and I shared with you my story, some get more animated in crisis, some get quieter, even fall asleep. So you can't judge a crisis by the way someone responds to it, right? Well, they can't be in crisis. They, they look fine, right? Well, they might be in the greatest, darkest night of their soul that they've ever experienced. Are you sensitive? Are you sensitive to what's going on in your heart? Are you sensitive to what's going on in the lives of those people around you? Our, our lives are marked by crises. Everybody experiences them. Here's the good news, though. Here's the good news. God meets us in the crisis. God meets us in the crisis. 
as we see today, that God is going to meet Jonah in the midst of his crisis. But I'm going to take it one step further, that God is not only meeting Jonah in the crisis, God is causing the crisis in Jonah's life. Remember, he caused this. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and speak out against it. In, in commissioning Jonah to go to non-believers and even wicked non-believers and, and speak the word of God to them, God caused this crisis to a certain extent. And Jonah disobeyed and ran from it, right? And now, now Jonah is thrown into the waves and... And the sailors recognize as they were throwing him that God is the reason that they're throwing him in. And as we saw in our scripture today, Jonah recognizes, says, you hurled me overboard, God. You caused the waves to overcome. I know that's hard, especially if you haven't been with us for a long time, but, but we've had a chance to explore this together. God openly says, I cause calamity. Uh, if you want to jot one, I don't think I put it in your notes, but um, Isaiah... 45.7, God openly says, I cause calamity. It makes sense, doesn't it? That God, if he's genuinely God, if he's genuinely sovereign over every situation, then then there are, are some calamities that we experience that God is causing. He is causing. Now, the good news is if he's causing one, he has a purpose in it. He doesn't mess around. He doesn't waste calamity. He doesn't waste sorrow. He doesn't waste tears. God uses everything for his purposes. But but we've got to come out, somehow come to that place where we recognize that God is sovereign and often he's the cause of our crisis. That's certainly here through uh, indirectly through his command to Jonah. Now, you could say that Jonah didn't obey and Jonah caused the crisis, but God was the initiator of it. And then certainly right here, God hurled the storm at them. The storm was a direct result of God's intervention into the physical world and, and God was causing his crisis. But often our crisis is the result of our response to God's direction or even provisions. Our, when we respond positively or negatively, it affects the outcomes of our own lives. We've talked about this over and over again, but I just want to remind you that God created you. He formed you. He knows exactly what will make your soul sing. He knows what will bring you peace. He knows what you need every moment, right? God is creator and, and provider of all that you need. But when you choose, when you choose to say, I think I know more about my needs than you do, God. When you choose to say, I'm going to provide for my own needs, thank you, I'll call on you if I need you this year, right? When you choose to do that, when you choose to separate yourself from your provider, then, then oftentimes, not because God wants to squash you like a bug, but because you have walked away from the way you were designed to live, then you experience crises as well. And my great fear for myself and for my children and for my grandchildren is that, that our, the culture that we are celebrating right now is wandering away from the, God, the way that God designed it to be and the way that God revealed he wants it to be in his word. And so, so it, you don't have to be a prophet to be able to recognize that there's pain in the offering, right? There, there, there's pain coming because, because we're walking away from the living God. How did, how did Jonah put it? 
in, in verse, um, in verse four, the ESV says, I am driven away from your sight. I am driven away from your sight. I think the NIV says, I am banished. I am banished. Now, when, when Jonah says, I'm driven away or, or banished, has God somehow said, okay, no, no longer can you come back? No. What he's saying is, I had options up until this point, right? At any point in this journey, uh, when, he, when he first got the word of God, he could have said, I don't want to do this, God, but I will submit and I will surrender and I will go do what you've asked me to do. And then even after he went down to the boat and the boat began to sail for Tarshish, he could have said, oh, God, I know I'm running from you. I, I am going to turn and, and respond to you and, and return to your plan for my life. Even as he hid in the depths of the boat at any moment, he still had his options open. And, and if I could just press pause for a second, it's something that seems to mark our culture right now, is that we like to keep our options open, Right? We like to have four or five good options, and we wait to the last minute to, to decide what's my best option. Now, now, that would be okay if we really understood God, because he is always our best option, right? If we always chose our best option, we would always choose God's perfect plan for our life. But again, my problem is I crawl onto that throne. I crawl up there. Isn't that a crew illustration? I crawl up onto the throne of my life and I say, I've got this, God. I'll determine what my best options are. And I start to make bad choices. In the words of that, of that um, soldier in Indiana Jones, um, you have chosen poorly, right? I choose poorly. I choose poorly. So, so the problem is that we, we consciously choose to not respond to God's initiative and cause ourselves great thing, great, great trouble, great travail, and then, and we feel banished from God. And for Jonah, the first experience of that now, of banishment, was when they threw him overboard. Why? Because he's in the middle of a storm and he's sinking, and, and now all of a sudden he doesn't have options. And I don't want to tread on anyone's emotions today, but, but boy, this hurts to read, doesn't it? I know it went by real fast as Sean was reading it. But, but to hear Jonah say, you, God, cast me into the deep. You cast me into the heart of the seas. And the floods surrounded me and the waves. And, and forgive me, but, but some of you have experienced this. If not physically, you have emotionally or spiritually. The, the waves uh, and your billows pass over me. And, and he continues, he says, the waters closed in over me in verse 5. And, and to take my life and the deep surrounded me and, and the weeds were wrapped around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. And my life was fainting away. My life was fainting away. I don't mean to tread on you, you know, physically, emotionally, or spiritually, but my guess is that you've been there at different times. I'm very blessed with, with, um, with whatever. Until this season of my life, I've not been vulnerable to despair. I can probably count on both hands in my entire life that the times that I've been close to despair. But some of you can count on both hands in one week 
the times that you have been close to despair. You have felt those waves over you. It's really important. It's really important that we come to the Word of God and find help in our time of need, right? And this is the crazy thing, but but even in Jonah's disobedience, we can find help. We can find help. But God had to take him to that place where there was no other option for him, where there weren't two or three good things that he could do, where there was no one else. Remember how they say it in, in, kind of, in a simplistic way, but, but it's true. When you come to the end of yourself, you're just at the beginning of God, right? When, when you have nowhere else to go but God, then God is, provides all that you need. And, and so Jonah got to that place. And it looks like, I, I, as I read this and pictured this, it looks like right as he's passing from consciousness. Now, he sank all the way down to the bottom of the Mediterranean, right? He's down there looking at the roots of the, of, of the mountains. He's seeing those caverns and canyons in the Mediterranean Sea. And just as he is, is fainting away, he finds a solution to the crisis. Did you see it? When my life, Jonah 2.7, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. I remembered the Lord. Again, next week, we're going we're gonna to say, in, we do this in remembrance of you. We're going to consciously choose through the sacrament of communion to remember everything that Jesus has done for us. At that last moment, before, before Jonah passed out, before he drowned, when his life was ebbing away, is the way one translation puts it, ESV, fainting away, he remembers the Lord. He remembers the Lord. And, and I want to just suggest to you, it doesn't appear that way. You notice as you read Jonah chapter 2, you see it in poetic form. And we talked uh, in the study, we talked about one of the forms of poetry that is used uh, we saw it in Psalm 147.11, is that, is that it repeats and, and interprets itself. So it says a phrase and then repeats and interprets it. Um, but, but the Lord um, invites us to fear Him, right? Uh, and, and, then, and then it explains to fear the Lord is to put your hope in His unfailing love. That's one, uh, one beauty of Hebrew poetry. But another one, and I'm looking for you. Oh, she's with the children right now. Lorraine was talking about this in staff meeting a, a couple of weeks ago, was that he uses actually structure in the poetry to highlight it. You can't see it in there, but verse 2 matches verse 6. And, and verse 3 matches verse 5, right? And, 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 and standing all by itself in the center of of this passage, like an arrow pointing toward this truth in, in the Hebrew poetry stands verse 4, where Jonah says, I am banished. I said, excuse me, I'm going to make sure you understand that Jonah says, I said, I am banished, but I shall look again to your temple. And for the first time in five weeks, for the first time in all of chapter 1, for the first time, Jonah turns. He turns to the Lord. Remember, we saw last week that he, he understood that the Lord physically existed 
in the Holy of Holies in the temple. And now, as his life is fainting away, he remembers the Lord and he turns. Um, a federal case has been made out of this. That Did he really repent? Did he, um, we're going to see he still carried uh, a lot of his nationalism. He still carried his racism. He still carried his sin. Um, this isn't a full-blown repentance. And this I kind of love it for this. It, it's a first baby step toward restoring relationship with God. He turns toward the Lord. He turns. And I would say he returns. He returns. He takes the first step of repentance and turns to the Lord. So he remembers the Lord. He turns from his idolatry, in this case, self-idolatry, it's astounding. I mean, the, 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 the scriptures are so beautiful, aren't they? And, and honestly, he's quoting three, at least three different psalms in his prayer to the Lord. I don't bash him for that. Because I, when I don't know how to talk to God, I go to the psalms and I just pray through the psalms, right? I let them speak words that I cannot speak. But, but Jonah, when, he, when he's in the midst of this, he, he, he speaks to the Lord and he says, I, I forgot the numbers now, but it's at least ten times he says, I. And in, the, in those brief four or five verses, at least 12 times, he says, me or my. It's still very clear that Jonah's greatest struggle is, is with his, his own idolatry, self-idolatry, putting himself on the throne. But, but now he's turned and he's recognizing that, that that's not bringing life. That anything else before God takes life, it doesn't give life, including himself. And so he invites us to, to remember Psalm 147. He invites us to remember that the fear of the Lord is to put your hope in his steadfast love. His said, his, uh, Greek translates that, grace. I'm going to put my trust in your grace, God, rather than in my self-centered worship. He remembered God. He turned from his idolatry and he turned to God. Jonah 1.5 I shall again look on your holy temple. But he didn't stop there. He didn't stop there. Remember what the problem has been for Jonah? God spoke to Jonah and Jonah hasn't spoken to God since. Jonah hasn't spoken to God since. And finally, Jonah speaks to God. My prayer came to you in your holy temple. He understood that even as he is drowning, God hears his voice. I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. He, he spoke to the Lord again. And then he took it one step further. He worshipped the Lord again with a voice of thanksgiving. I will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. How are you going to do that? Well, well, Jonah was drowning and God provided a fish for him. And don't get lost in that. God can raise Jesus from the dead. He can provide a fish to save Jonah's life. But I want you to notice that Jonah is still in the belly of the fish. That's why I intentionally didn't let you read verse 10. Because he, all this is happening while he is still in the belly of the fish. Right? While he's still in captivity. 
thinking about you guys, Sean and Lisa, and what a um, journey this has been. Kai's been amazing. The, the, coming back from Japan and, and trying to put together a household and, and getting restructured and, and re-centered. And, and I imagine there's a, a hope in your lives that this too shall pass, right? At one time, this, this will be over. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm guessing also that time and time again in this journey, you've had to say, God, uh, we can't do this without you. I'm, I'm captive, God, to your plan for my life, and I can't do this without you. I'm not sure but that our struggle, I should just speak for myself, but I'm speaking for myself as an American. I'm not sure that our struggle is that when we have everything we need, we don't think that we need God. How do I know this? Um, I don't know if I can do this or not. I hope I can. Um, go, go to Psalms again one more time with me, would you? This is one of those times where you pray that your memory is not failing you. It looks like it is. I'm sorry. I was ten, ten chapters off. It's Psalm 126. Go to Psalm 126. This isn't going to make sense for a minute, but I'm going to try and, try and tie this together. Once a month when I'm going through the Psalms, I come, come across this again. When the Lord restored... And it says fortunes there uh, of Zion. We were like those who dreamed. When God set us free from captivity, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues with shout of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord, there's that personal name, has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We're glad. And then when, when God answered our prayer, we were so grateful. Right? We're so grateful. We rejoiced. We worshipped. Look at this next line. Restore. And, and, and the translators couldn't help but put fortunes in there right then, right? But the word is the same as the word before. It's captivity. Restore our captivity, O Lord. Like streams captive to the, to the stream beds in the desert, Right? Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy. They cry out for that captivity again. Why? Because it's in our captivity that we experience the presence of God most real, right? Think about it in your own life. When have you felt closest to God? Was it the time when you had everything in control and, and, and king or queen was sitting on her, her, his throne and, and we had everything, our minions doing everything we wanted them to do, right? Or did you feel closer to God when you were absolutely helpless, when you had no place to turn? I don't wish, I don't wish despair or depression or the emotions that you have experienced on you. But I'm grateful that God meets you in it. I'm grateful that He's faithful in it. Jonah had to experience what many of you have experienced in order to come back to the Lord. But he met Him there. 
And I believe with all my heart that God will meet you there as well. Now, I want to emphasize again that Jonah did not have it all together. That's going to become really clear in the next two weeks. Um, Jonah didn't have it all together, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter. He met God there. He turned to God. And by that simple turning to God, by that simple crying out to God, God delivered him. You'll never have it all together. Don't wait until you have it together. It will never happen. Cry out to God in the midst of your situation. See the deliverance of God. See the deliverance of God. I want to make sure I made it all the way through the notes that I wanted to give you today. Jonah turned to God. He spoke to God. He worshipped God. He started, he started with just what he was thankful for. When we get together in Bible studies, we start with what we're thankful for. We, we just start there, right? First step of Discovery Bible study. What are you thankful for today? Jonah started with what he was thankful for. But then he made a commitment. He said, God, I'm going to no longer live for myself. I'm going to put you and others in front of me. He, by the way, he learned a lot of that from his experience with the sailors. I don't want the legacy of my love, my life to be that people died around me because of my stubbornness. I want the legacy of my life that people worship you, God. So he, he lived sacrificially and he kept his vows to God. And the last thing that he did, we're going to pick this up. Kristen doesn't know it yet, but we're going to pick this up next Sunday as we worship together. The last thing that he said was, salvation belongs to God. Would you say that with me? Salvation belongs to God. You know how you say that in Hebrew? Um, I'm not pausing for dramatic effect because I like knowing something that you don't know. You already know it. You just don't know that you know it. The way that you say that in Hebrew is Yeshua. Would you say that with me? Yeshua. You know the way you say Yeshua in Greek? Jesus. Jesus. Salvation belongs to our God who sits upon the throne. God has made his salvation known through you through Jesus. I know. If you're not in a place of despair, there will be at least three in the coming year. How's that for speaking out of humanness? Um, But I know that Jesus is enough for you. And that if you will turn to him, in your time of need, if you will cry out to him in your time of need, Yeshua, Jesus, salvation belongs to you. He will hear your cry. I can't, I'm sorry, I'm laughing. I can't help it. And he will vomit you out of the fish. <laughs> but we'll pick that up next week. That's literally what it says. He will vomit you out of your troubles, out of your struggles out of your despair. God, thank you. Thank you for Jonah. God, he is me. He is me. I am Jonah. But God, thank you that you 
kept his story in your book. God, thank you that you gave us Lisa's story, that we could hear that story because, because you're changing lives, God. And you respond every time someone turns to you. Every time somebody cries out, I need you. Jesus, right? Jesus, Peter, drowning in the waves. I need you. Jesus, help me. Every time we cry out to you, you respond. And you come to our rescue. And God, we learn something deeper about you. And we learn to love you in even greater way. So Jesus, we confess to you today that we're tired. We're tired of being Lord of our own lives, of sitting on our own throne, of ruling our own kingdoms. Oh God, you have shown us how bankrupt that whole idea is. God, we confess again that Jesus and Jesus alone is the bringer of our salvation. And we cry out to Him in our despair. And for those who are struggling right now, we cry out the name Jesus. Jesus. And for those of us who for the very first time coming to that place where we realize that we are not sufficient in and of ourselves, You have banished us. We've been cast overboard and we're sinking, God, we, we declare for the first time that Jesus is worthy of our trust and we will put our trust in Him and in His name. God, thank You that this journey is going to be lifelong, but You will never leave us or forsake us. Thank You that this journey is going to be lifelong and it's going to be filled with travail like Jonah experienced. God, you come to our rescue. Rescue us, Jesus. Would you do that?